All right, we're going to jump in now to our um, sixth week of studying Elijah. It's been a great study, and we're coming to an end. It's not today, but in the next few weeks, we're going to be wrapping this study up, but it's been really good. Before we get to that, I just want to ask you all real quick, and I want some answers here. What are some things that you are afraid of? And I'm not talking about the deep stuff, like just any, any cockroach fans in here? Who, lo- who loves a good cockroach? Scared of them? Who's scared of cockroaches? Okay, a few. All right, good. What a, it's a great place to live in Florida if you're scared of cockroaches. What about uh, spiders? Any spider fans in here? Yeah, okay, okay. Snakes, snakes, okay. What's that? Lizards, lizards. You're just naming everything that is in Florida, right? Uh, right, mosquitoes, yeah, mosquitoes. Uh, uh, any, anyone scared of raccoons besides me? That is my thing. Yes, raccoons are the devil's house cat. I hate them with a passion. They're the worst animals in the world. I, I don't mind spiders or roaches, but do not throw a raccoon around me. I'll, I'll hurt you and the raccoon. Um, possums? That's another one. Possum? Someone say you like possums? You heart? Good night, Irene. Did we not address any other ones? Rats. That's a good one. Rats. Gators? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, gators for sure. I think the gators were scared of wildcats yesterday. But, uh, anything else? No, okay, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we, we all have things that we're, we're afraid of, right? Those are, those are, you know, the, the ooey-gooey stuff like that. But I, there's other stuff that we're, we're truly afraid of. You know, we're, we're afraid of our, the direction our marriages are going. Or we're afraid of the choices that our children are making or where our, where our finances are at. We're afraid of the state of the world, right? We're afraid of what the doctor said is going on in our bodies. There's real fears that we have. And I want to talk, I, w- I want to ask this question this morning. What are you afraid of today? What are you afraid of? And then we're going to ask why. Why are you afraid of it? Why are we afraid of these things? And I pray this morning that in 1 Kings chapter 18, the story of Elijah, the part of the story of Elijah that we're talking about today is going to remedy a lot of our fears as we leave today. All right? And as we continue to walk out our faith every single day. So let's look in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 16. It says, so Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. So Ahab is, you know, the most evil of all the kings of Israel up until this point. And he goes out to meet Elijah. In verse 17, it says, when Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? Now, Ahab here is the voice of the enemy, right? And isn't it just like the enemy to try and flip the script on us? right? The enemy is always going to come to us and accuse us of being the one in the wrong. And if we just stop for a second and consider Elijah here, this is an interesting tactic because Elijah is the one that has been praying for no rain, right? He's the one that professed it over Ahab at the beginning of the story. And now after three and a half years, all that time, Elijah has been the one praying, Father, don't let it rain. And then he comes back and he sees all the devastation that has happened because of his answered prayer, right? And so very easily could Elijah think to himself, man, maybe this is all my fault. Maybe I actually did hear the Lord wrong, and this is on me. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to pervert what the Lord says to us and make it as if the things that are going on are our fault. And so we walk in that fear, right, of what the enemy is trying to tell us as he flips the script on us. 
and we become afraid. But listen to what Elijah's response is. And y'all, this is what we need to hear. This is what we need to do when the enemy tries to flip the script on us and tell things, you know, tell, tell us that things are our fault, right? This is what Elijah says in verse 18. I have made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers. For you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshiped the images of Baal instead. He says, no, 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 no. You're not going to put this on me. You're the troublemaker. And you know that in Hebrew, this word trouble or troublemaker actually translates to snake. Isn't that interesting? So Ahab is calling Elijah this, this snake, right? This devil, right? And the devil will say that to us. You're a devil. You're a troublemaker. And Elijah going, no, no, no. This ain't on me. You did this. I never would have had to pray those prayers had you not done this. You did this. You are the troublemaker. And y'all, when the enemy comes at us, rather than cowering in fear, we need to remind him who he is. No, 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 no. I'm not the troublemaker. You are. You're the one that fell like lightning. You're the one who nipped at the heel but got his skull crushed. You're the one who thought Jesus dying on the cross was a victory. That ain't no victory. That was your defeat. You're the loser in this. That's what we need to do. And that's what Elijah does right here, and I love it so much. Don't come at me with that, enemy. This is your fault. This is your doing. You're the loser in all of this. What are we afraid of, y'all? What are you afraid of? Verse 19. It says, Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who are supported by Jezebel. All right? These are the prophets that were sitting at the queen's table. Jezebel, remember her? The, the woman of Satan's hour who introduced Baal, who actually had the nerve and the arrogance to think that she could kick God out of Israel and replace him with Baal, false God. Elijah says, bring all these prophets up to Mount Carmel. You know what's interesting about this is Elijah is the one on the offensive here. He's the one on the offensive. He's not playing defense. I'm going to say that again, y'all. He's not the one playing defense. How many times are we just living life playing defense with the enemy? Just trying to, just trying to shield this, that, attack, and that, attack, and just da, 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 da. And we're always on defense. And we actually think that that's what we're supposed to do. And we're not. The kingdom of heaven advances, right? It doesn't sit still just taking on attacks. It moves forward, right? Our, our walk with the Lord, our faith moves forward. We attack the enemy. We don't wait for the enemy to attack us. We go to it. But here's the thing too, y'all, that we need to understand. When we storm the enemy's gates, we had better have a plan. Yeah, yeah, come on. And Elijah had a plan. Elijah had a plan. And the, the plan that he has is from the Lord. We'll see that later. But we need to understand that when we advance on the enemy, we storm the enemy's gates, we had better have a plan. Because the enemy knows how to fight. The enemy knows how to fight. But when we have a plan, the enemy loses that fight. But we need to have that plan. And we'll talk about how we get that plan in a minute. But for now, it's about to go down. Verse 20. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely 
silent. Why were they silent? Because they were afraid. They didn't want to say that, they, that God was their God and they were going to follow him because they were afraid of what was going to happen to them from King Ahab. They'd seen what other, the, uh, other prophets of the Lord, what had happened to them and how they were killed. They were afraid. And so they didn't say a word. And, and I believe for, for a lot of us in here, the reason that we walk in fear, if, if you call yourself a Christian, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, we don't walk in fear because of unbelief. Right? We don't walk in fear because we don't believe the things of the Bible. If I tell you that, you know, if, does, does Jesus love you? Does God love you? Yes. Is God in heaven? Yes. Does he rule? Yes. Right? We believe those things. We walk in, we, we walk in fear because we're afraid. Right? Because we allow the enemy to speak to us. It's not out of our unbelief about what the Bible says. Right? It's that, it's that Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I, I believe in your word, Lord, but get it in me more so that I'm not afraid. And so, so here we are in this moment where, where Elijah is telling the Israelites, look, you need to make a choice. You need to make a choice. Stop wavering. Because wavering is choosing, by the way. So, so what are you going to do? What do you believe? And they're so afraid that they don't even answer him. They just stare there, silent. Duh. Right? <laughs> I'm going to just leave that there. <clears throat> but I want to ask us all a question. If we believe in Scripture, if, if, if belief isn't the issue, then what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Psalms 27, 1 through 3, the message version. I love this version. The Scripture says this. Light, space, zest, that's God. So with Him on my side, I'm fearless, afraid of no one and nothing. When, vandals, when vandal hordes ride down ready to eat me alive, those bullies and toughs fall flat on their faces. When besieged, I'm calm as a baby. Not my baby. <laughs> when all hell breaks loose, I'm collected and cool. Come on, y'all. Is that our testimony? When all hell breaks loose in our lives? Honestly, let's, let's just be real for a second. When no one else is watching, when we're in our house, and all hell breaks loose, hey, I'm calm and cool, baby. Right? Everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's chill. <laughs> Listen, I can't be calm, cool, and collected when the Jags are losing at home to the Texans, you know? How much more so like when real stuff happens, right? <laughs> but God is on our side. He is light, space, and zest. That's God. And he's for you, y'all. He's for you. So when all hell breaks loose, how do we react? Are we calm, cool, and collected? Because we should be. Because that's what Scripture tells us to be. So do we believe in Scripture? And if that answer is yes, then what are we afraid of? Listen to this story of, of Jesus sending out, this is Jesus sending out the 70, right? In Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says, Later the master, that's Jesus, selected 70 and sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he intended to go. He gave them this charge. What a huge harvest and how few the harvest hands. So on your knees, in other words, pray. Ask the God of the harvest to send harvest hands on your way. But be careful. 
This is hazardous work. You're like lambs in a wolf pack. Skip to verse 17. The 70 came back triumphant. Master, even the demons dance to your tune. Listen to what Jesus says to that comment. Jesus said, I know. Jesus knows, right? I saw Satan fall, a bolt of lightning out of the sky. See what I've given you? Safe passage as you walk on snakes and scorpions and protection from every assault of the enemy. No one can put a hand on you. I'm going to say that again. No one can put a hand on you. All the same, the great triumph is not in your authority over evil, but in God's authority over you and presence with you. Not what you do for God, but what God does for you. That's the agenda for rejoicing. So Jesus sends out these 70 in pairs of two, and they're freaking out. Like, you want us to do what? And then they come back, and, and then they're freaking out again, but in a different way. Saying, even the demons listen to you. And I love Jesus' Han Solo response. I know. I know. Y'all, when, when God calls us to things, when he, when he has us take that step, right, and all hell looks like it's breaking loose, when we just take him at his word and we obey and we go on the offensive, we're going to go, oh my goodness, the enemy couldn't touch me. And Jesus is going, I know, I know. You're not telling me anything I don't know already. Why do you think I sent you? You might be lambs in a wolf pack, but that wolf pack has no bite, yeah. right? Has no bite on you. His hand can't touch you because you're mine. You're mine. And so, yeah, I might be sending you out and it might look scary and it might look different, but I got you and the enemy can't touch you. And y'all, if we believe that, what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Back to the story of Elijah in verse 22 of 1 Kings 18. So here's the plan. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the, of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a god. Perhaps he is daydreaming or is relieving himself. Or maybe he is away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be awakened. Right? Listen, Elijah, y'all, if y'all didn't notice, is the inventor of trash talk. All right? <laughs> maybe your God's going to the bathroom. I had some, you know, something, something last night. Right? Didn't sit well. But listen, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, you know, we could do a better job of trash talking the enemy. For real. Like, we should be trash talking the enemy. You know, that's what someone who knows they've already won does, right? I don't want to be like a good sport with the enemy, you know? 
Like, no, you're a jerk. I hate you. You're a loser, and I'm going to end there before I get in trouble, right? But we don't need to be a good sport with Satan. He's not a good sport with us. So we can talk some trash to him when he tries to come at us, all right? I think we can do a better job of that. But here's what else I want to talk about in this moment. This looks like it's 450 verses 1. That's what the human eye sees, right? 450 prophets of Baal versus 1, Elijah. But y'all, it's not. It's God versus no one. It's God versus zero. Because the reality is, the reality is there is no such thing as God versus fill in the blank. There isn't. There is no such thing as God versus fill in the blank. Because there's just God. He's the creator of all things. He's the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end, right? He created all things and when in his time and his purpose is fulfilled, he's going to come back and take it all back again. So there is no God versus. And we do that a lot. In our head, we, we pit God versus things. Whether it's a politician, a nation, a health report, or this or that or the other. It's like, well, there's this battle. There's not. God reigns, y'all. He reigns. And so we can look and see 450 verse 1, but that's not it. It's God versus nothing. And he wins. He is not sitting on the throne going, oh, right? He's working. He is active in our lives, but he has already won. So there is no 450 verse 1. But as, we, as, if you, as you familiarize yourself with the Bible and you see these moments where there's battles and there's things like this story, listen, the believers, the ones that God has called are always the minority. And we are always gonna be the minority. The, the, the ones that are fighting for the Lord always have less numbers. Always. Why? So that God will get the glory. And we wait and we wait and we wait to be the majority. Why? So that we can feel safe and not walk in fear. God's saying, look, you don't have to wait. The victory is already yours. Let's not worry about numbers because it's God versus nothing. And you are mine. That was good. That wasn't in my notes. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Verse 28. So they shouted louder and following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but there was still no sound, no reply, no response. This is what's happening here, y'all, is, is, is witchcraft. Like they're cutting themselves, they're dancing, doing all this stuff to try and conjure up this God, to wake this God up. And what they had, they had these prophets' zeal for their God. Don't be mistaken about that. They had zeal for their God, but what they didn't have was God. They didn't have truth. Their zeal and their passion was misdirected to something that was false. So they can dance and they can cut themselves and do all these things. But you can have all the zeal in the world, but if you don't have truth, you have nothing. And they have nothing in this moment. Then verse 30, Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. Oh, the symbolism there, right? God's saying, what you tore down, I'm about to rebuild. You can try and tear me down, but you cannot. You will fail. And we need to know that, y'all. We need to know that. As, as we live this life 
in the world that we're in now, the world cannot tear down the kingdom of heaven. It can try. And it can maybe at times even look like it is. God's just going to come. He's going to rebuild it. And that's what he's doing here in this moment. And it says in verse 21, Elijah took the 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild, rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water, and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said. And the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual, I love this part. God, ah, God is so good. He's so perfect. In verse 36, at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, right? God actually times out when he is going to light the bull on fire. Oops, spoiler alert. When he's going to light the bull on fire, at the time that the normal offering sacrifice happens. Y'all see that? God is perfect, y'all. So Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that, here it is, y'all, I have done all this at your command. That's the plan right there. O Lord, answer me. Answer me to see these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. I love this. At the usual time of offering. Elijah doesn't do this out of his own doing, out of his own pride, out of his own anger, out of his own frustration, or anything like that. You know, sometimes we storm the enemy's gates and we haven't even consulted the Lord. And we fail and we wonder why. Like, God, I thought you said, you left me out of the equation. You never asked me. But Elijah says here, this was your command, Lord. I'm doing what you have called me to do. You told me to go to Mount Carmel. You told me to have this God off, as I like to call it, right? God versus gods. This was your command. And when, when it's Elijah's turn, there's no dancing. There's no, there's no cutting himself. It's a simple prayer. Father, show yourself to be true. Light this altar on fire. And, and again, so many times we, we complicate prayer. We're afraid and we think that we need to have this eight hour long session of this perfectly worded prayer to convey our hearts to a God who already knows our hearts. All God wants for us is to just say it in whatever way that is us. And I love that about this story. There's, there is no dissertation to the Lord on, oh, let this prayer be thine, thou this shall, whatever, right? Just praise out of his heart to the Lord. And as we continue to do that every single day, in those moments where fear is trying to creep in, and we're just honest with the Lord, it can be as simple as, Lord, I'm trying not to be afraid, but I'm pretty afraid right now. Help me believe. Get this fear out of me. That's a great prayer. It's a great prayer. Or you can just quote scripture. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief right now. I believe, Lord. Help me in my unbelief. It doesn't have to be this long speech. Now, there are times when 
maybe everything that's in our heart, it just comes gushing out and it becomes that. That's great. Those are amazing moments. But all God wants is for you to share your heart with him because he already knows anyway. And so Elijah says this prayer. And here's what happens next. Verse 38. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Then Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all, and Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. Come on with it. Listen, when the fire of God falls, it blows away all expectation. The challenge was that the fire or that God would light the fire on the altar, right? God doesn't just do that. He burns up the stone, the dirt, licks up all the water. Fire from heaven falls. It blows away our expectations and even our greatest prayers. Even our greatest prayers. Again, the prophets, they had passion. They had commitment. They had sincerity, devotion. They even had great energy. But what they didn't have was a God who can send fire down from heaven. Only God can do that. And God changes everything. God changes everything in our lives. So I ask again, what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Thank you, Jesus, that he has not called us to walk in fear. The Bible is very clear about that. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. You're more than a conqueror. I have you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're mine. It's everywhere. It's everywhere in Scripture. And yet, we let the enemy flip the script on us, and we actually believe it sometimes. And we wrap ourselves in fear to the point where we're almost paralyzed. God's got these, these amazing things for us. That he's called us to our own Mount Carmel's where it looks very much like it's 450 verse 1 and it might be but that's when we need to remember it's actually God versus no one and will we walk in it will we walk in it verse 41 then Elijah said to Ahab go get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming so Ahab went to eat and drink but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time the servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And, as, and soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Maybe my favorite part of this entire story is verse 46. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. That is weird, right? <laughs> Can you imagine Ahab in this moment? All the prophets are dead. Fire has fallen from heaven. He's th he thinks, I've seen it all now. I am in trouble. And as he's in his king chariot, right, with the best horses in the entire kingdom, 
this prophet with his cloak tucked between his legs just goes by him. Like, what is happening? This is weird. And I just like, see ya. It's crazy. The Bible is wild, y'all. But here's, here's what led to the rain coming. Here's what led to the rain coming. First, it was a crucible. It was Elijah going on a crucible to Cherith and then to Zarephath, eating from ravens, drinking from the brook, believing that God was going to restore the flour and the oil, having a widow provide for him, all those things that we've, we've, we've talked about over the weeks. It was faith. It was obedience. It was persistent prayer. Even in this last moment, seven times, he tells his servant to go look. He's not, he's not dismayed by one time the, his servant saying, look, there's nothing over the water. He said, go back again, go back again, go back again. Seven times, he tells him. It's persistent prayer in those three and a half years. It's not being satisfied with the conditions of the world around him. It's hearing the voice of the Lord and being obedient to what he is calling Elijah to. It's all those things that led to the rain. It's all those things that led to the rain. And I just want to say again, he tells Ahab in verse 41, I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Y'all, I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. I hear a mighty rainstorm coming at Beaches Chapel, but in the church. God is doing something. And if you can't feel it, you need to try harder. Open your eyes, right? Because it's coming. It's coming. There is a rainstorm, a Holy Spirit rainstorm coming. But listen, we, listen, we, we don't get there just, just by coming to church on Sundays. It doesn't happen that way. We all got to press in. We got to go through our own crucibles, Right? But we got it. We can, here's the thing. We can do it together. That's why I'm going to say again, broken record, you need to join a community group. If you haven't yet, it doesn't matter. Join one this week. Get involved. Because it takes more than a Sunday faith to get through a crucible. It takes more than a Sunday faith to take those steps of obedience and not walk in fear when it's 450 verse 1. I wish we were strong enough to just come on to church on Sunday mornings and that be enough. But it's not. Listen, we have this message this morning and we're fired up and it's exciting and all those good things and then we're going to leave here and Monday's going to come and we're going to have to actually walk in it. Yeah, yeah. We might even have to walk in it when we get home today. Yeah. But will we do it? Because if we do it, there's a rainstorm coming and it's going to feel real good. Yeah. I know it's coming, y'all. Have the band come back up. And I want to go over very quickly as we wrap up this morning. Four, four points to this story of, of Mount Carmel specifically, what we talked about this morning. Not the whole story of Elijah, but just this story of Mount Carmel. The first one is this. When we are sure we are in God's will, we are invincible. When we are sure that we are in God's will, it takes knowing beyond a shadow of doubt that I am in God's will for me to go up to Mount Carmel and take on 450 prophets. That's being sure that I'm in God's will. But he did. He knew it. Elijah said that in his prayer, that I'm doing this at your command, God. 
And when we are sure that we are in God's will, when we have, when we have put in the time to hear his voice and know his voice, know the Holy Spirit in us, and God says, go do this, you need to know, y'all, and I know that some of y'all are in this place, that you are invincible in those moments. You are invincible because you're in God's will. And his will cannot be deterred no matter what the enemy tries to do. The enemy's will was to kill Jesus, right? That was God's will. He planned that. Saving was his idea. So when we are, when we are convinced, when we know that we're in God's will, we, you, everyone in here are invincible. You need to write that down. You need to take a picture of it, whatever you got to do. Remind yourself that. Second one is this. This one's not so fun. Divided allegiance is just as wrong as idolatry. Divided allegiance is just as wrong as idolatry. The whole point of this was for uh, uh, Elijah to get rid of the false prophets and to win the people back, right? That was the point of this whole thing, to exalt God, to win the people back. But in that moment where they were silent, that was idolatry because they, were, they didn't know. They weren't, they weren't going anywhere. And when we are undecided, when we waver, when we're not all in on the Lord, it is, it is the same as idolatry. And you know what? The devil's just fine with us being silent in those moments. Like, that works. It's when we start to open our mouth and we start to walk in faith. That's when we're dangerous to him. But when presented with that question in our lives, who do you serve? And we're like, I don't know. He's like, perfect. I can use that. But when we say, I serve the Lord, you're the troublemaker. I'm gonna start talking trash to you. That's when the enemy gets afraid. Third thing. Our most effective tool is the prayer of faith. It's the prayer of faith, y'all. Prayer is our most effective tool. What are you afraid of? How much are you praying about it? How much are you praying about the thing that you're afraid of? It's amazing how fear will consume our thoughts, but we never apply prayer to it. We just walk in the fear. We saw Elijah's prayer. It wasn't this incredible thing. It was a simple, heartfelt prayer. And all of us are capable of that. Every single one of us in here are capable of that. So instead of walking in fear all the time, remember that you have the power of prayer, the most powerful tool that we can ever possess. And it's right there on the tip of your tongue. Use it. Use it. Turn off the car stereo. Turn off the TV. Change your routine and start praying over the things that you're fearful for. Watch God move. Flip the script on the enemy. Let him start being afraid of you. That happens in prayer. Last thing. Never underestimate the power of one totally dedicated life. Never underestimate the power of one totally dedicated life. Y'all don't know how much you're capable of. Each one of you in here, you have no idea what God can do in and through you. But let's remember what Jesus said to those 70 when they came back. It's not your authority. It's not what you can do. It's God's authority over you and through you. That is what it is. So you might look at yourself and say, well, what can I do? Really nothing, right? None of us can. But, but, with God's authority and his power over us and moving through us, we can do all sorts of things. More than we could ever dream of. You can do 
we can do as a church, the church can do. What are you afraid of? I hope it's shrunk since the first time I asked you that question. I hope it feels a little smaller now, because it should. Because whatever that thing is, it's still God versus no one. It's still God versus zero. You might say, well, you know, all these questions, look, you just got to take it one day at a time. Start today. Start praying over it. Elijah, from when he spoke to the king to when the rain came, was three and a half years, and he was on a journey that entire time. And we got the highlights in his story. There's a lot of that three and a half years that we don't know anything about, where it was just kind of the same thing every day. I mean, think about it. Eating with the widow, the same bread, every day. Every day. Just praying to the Lord. God, don't let it rain. Don't let it rain. I'll be here again today. Don't let it rain. Day after day. Once it felt like forever. But then God says, okay, it's time. Go. say to y'all, God's will is not for us to walk in fear. And there's things that are in front of you, things that you're in right now, things that we're all, we're all facing that are causing us fear, real fear. Say, it ends today. It's not to say that the situation's going to go away, but the fear that the enemy has been trying to put in our lives, in our ears, and in our minds, and in our hearts, ends today. Because he's the loser. He's the troublemaker. He is lost. We have the Lord, y'all. We have the Lord. We're going to go one day and Jesus say, hey, it, it, it wasn't like I thought. He said, I know. I know. I know. Just keep at it in prayer. Why don't we stand up this morning? We're going to close in worship. I just want to pray over all of us this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are a God who hears our prayers. You're for us, Lord. And if you're for us, who could be against us? Who could be against us, Lord? If the numbers are 450 verse 1, it's really God versus no one. God, you have us. And like you told Joshua to be strong and courageous, I, I speak that over all of us in here this morning, that we would be strong and courageous in you. And understand that this is not our battle. You're not telling us to... to you know, send fire from heaven. That's your job. You do those things, Father. It's not in our power and our own authority, but your authority over us and your authority in and through us where we will see victory. And Lord, I pray right now for all of us in here. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Help our unbelief, Lord, that we would walk in truth that we would not let the enemy tell us it's on us. God, we're yours. Break the chains of fear over anyone in this room that is walking in that reality, Lord. That, 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 that's not reality, Lord. That lie. That lie. Lord, they, are, they are consumed with fear. They are imprisoned by fear. God, break those chains right now in Jesus' name. Set them free. Set them free, Father. Let them be re-energized, Father. Reinvigorated. New strength, Father. To walk out the calling that you've put before them. And Lord, we just right now, we lay at your feet, all of us in here, whatever that thing that, that, that's been causing fear in our lives, we lay it at your feet. We say, Lord, it's yours. It's yours. I release it to you.
Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness in our lives, Lord. Thank you that you are a God who can send fire from heaven. And when you do, it exceeds our expectation by so much. And God, we just speak. God, we just we, we stand in agreement. We speak to that rain that's coming. We say, come on, Lord. Send that rain. Send that rain in Jesus' name. Show us what we need to do in it, Father. What are you calling us to? But God, so that when the rain comes, we're ready. That we're ready, Father, for it. But bring that Holy Spirit rain over your church, Father. Over those that need you, that don't know you, Father. Bring that rain, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Father, we worship you, Lord God. We worship you, God of heaven. You, there is none like you, Father. We exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you, God. Yes, Lord, you are worthy of our praise, Father. You are worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 